You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. I'm Johnny. I'm one of your pastors. Like uh, Annie was saying, I'm normally stationed at a 2007 Frankfurt Ave, but here I am. Glad to be with you. Thanks for having me. I'm a pastor, and, and I'm also, among other things, a, a reviewer on Yelp. Do you know what Yelp is? There's my profile right here. It's a little, it's a little dated. Um, I have like 400 reviews. So if you're ever in a popular restaurant in town, look up the, you look up the Yelp review. You might, even, you might see my review and see my opinion about whatever place you're at. Please don't do that right now, though. <laughs> I'm a, it's a little embarrassing to talk about it as I'm oversharing, perhaps. But there's something I like about going to a restaurant. And yes. Oh yeah, this was a oh boy. I gave the Kensington Food Co-op a very positive review. Just opened in town. They're doing great things. So be sure you go to Frankfurt and uh, Frankfurt and Lehigh there. Okay. I, I can feel a little embarrassed about this. My friend Laura found my, uh, my, uh, my, my Yelp profile and was surprised that her pastor was part of the Yelp elite squad for now. Now we're, eight, I think, eight years running now. So, so I was like, whoa, I'm out, I'm out there. My digital footprint is too, is too large, most likely. Or, or a friend of mine recently, I found out this happened at a party where I wasn't at. They read a critical review of mine out loud as, a, as like performance art. Because I, I was on vacation and I just slammed a place for some reason. It really, there's something real. I got to repent of this probably. There's something negative happening. But because there really is nothing easier than criticizing. So why not do it on, for fun on the internet, right? It's, 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 it's so easy to do. But I really do like... I like good food, and I mainly yelp, it's a verb, to write about positive experiences I've had. Like, I have a few rules. If I have a negative experience, I won't list anybody by name. I've had managers contact me and say, when did you go and who was working? And I'm like, I'm not going to just, I'm not, I'm not going to rat out the employees, so what, you fire them? You know, I'm talking about something else. Um, and, and, and you can see I have a, I have, well, maybe not, oh, here it is. I, there's a bell curve too to the situation, so I try to I try to uh, to approach that, and there's more positive than negative, just to just to give you the whole description. But but the thing that really I want a positive experience. The thing that really pulls me in is is the hospitality at the restaurant. One of my favorite questions: the server comes to me and asks me, or the counter worker even asks me. Have you, have you been here before? Did you ever get that question? I love that question. Have you been here before? Because if I haven't, they explain everything to me, especially if, in the, men, if the menu is using a lot of French words I don't understand, or even the descriptions of the, there's like columns with uh, titles of words I don't know. How many should I eat? Am I supposed to order seven plates, two plates? Why are there so many plates? You know, and so it helps me. I, I like the hospitality. I love clear explanations. I like good menu descriptions and instructions. I want to be led that way. I want to know what pies you have by the slice. 
I like knowing what specials there are, and I like the specials to be on a chalkboard menu. Sometimes the server comes up to me and reads a litany of things. There's like five specials. You only remember the last one, so you're like, okay, I'll take the last one. I remember that one for $48 or whatever it was. So I, I, I like hospitality. I like, I like knowing what to order, how much I should order, based on how hungry I am. And that little piece of hospitality makes a big difference to me in the restaurant. I like being included well. One of my favorite uh, moments of this um, recently was there was a restaurant that gained some notoriety. It, it was called the number one burger place in the United States. And the reason it got notoriety was because it wasn't that welcoming. It wasn't that inclusive. You know, some restaurants aren't aspiring toward high levels of popularity, and they just want to get by. I get that, too. But those local places that have unique charm somehow get, like, a million Instagram photographers to go to their place and take photos. And, 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 and this was a great long read I read about a place called Stanix, and, and, and it listed in a publication as the number one burger place in the country. And this is the most revealing part of the story. You may not be able to see my tiny font, so I'm going to read it for you if that's okay. But when it came time to pick the number one place, I can't pretend that the stuff I noticed when I first walked in, the uh, authenticity of the place didn't help push it to the top of the list. In the oversaturated, over-extra food world we currently reside in, wall art not from a local graffiti artist, or a beer list not put together by a Cicerone, or a color scheme not picked out by a nationally lauded design firm almost feels refreshing. Stanex Burger could compete with any burger place in the country. But I'd be lying if I said that the narrative didn't push it over the top. There was something about the ordinariness of the place that made it appealing, the lack of charm of the place, the fact that it wasn't trendy, the fact that it was local, that it wasn't catered to a Brooklyn-style hipster or a Fishtown-style hipster like where I'm from, um, that made it more appealing to those kinds of people. The idea being, it's better because it's not for me. There's something to that that happens in our culture. Have you noticed it? But I think it takes a lot of privilege and a lot of power to be able to appreciate something that is not for you, that is designed not for you, to be able to get into a place that isn't that hospitable. You need to have a lot of confidence to do that. And it takes even more to entitle yourself to it as if it were for you, right? There's something happening there that a lot of us just can't experience. And that's the part I want to settle on. It takes a lot of power. Gwen would say a secure attachment to be able to, 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 to navigate less than inclusive places. It takes a lot of capacity to be at home at a party full of people you don't know and traditions you're not accustomed to, right? You've met people like that that can walk into a party where they don't know everyone and they figure out how to make it work. Most of us aren't like that. It takes a lot of energy. Like Annie told us where the bathroom was when we came in. That's helpful. 
It takes a lot of energy to find a new bathroom in a restaurant. I'm sent on the mission to find the bathroom when we get to the restaurant. My date always says, go find where the bathroom is. So then I go, I've gone to countless kitchens looking for bathrooms in restaurants. Just open the door. Okay, this isn't it. You know, so I don't, because I, I can do that. You know, I can make a fool of myself and it's okay. You know, or figuring out how to order or pronouncing the words in the menu, right? Did you ever point to an item on the menu to the server? Okay, I'll have this. I don't know how to say it. I don't know anything that's in it, but I want that. We don't all have that. You know, most of us, I think, are struggling just to find our place. And I think it's incumbent upon us, and I think it's incumbent upon the church to be inclusive while also being authentic. Those two things that you might put at polls, maybe you don't. To be real, but to be welcoming. We can be hospitable without being generic, without being a big box place, right? Does that make sense? We want to have character, and we do in Circle of Hope have a distinct character, while also not allowing that character and that distinctiveness to include somebody from the fellowship. They might self-select out. That's true. But I think if they do that, it has to be because it wasn't their thing more than we made it impossible for us to be their thing. You tracking with me? So we're not for everyone. I get that. And it's not a mark of failure when it doesn't work out. But if it works out because of the barriers I put up or that, or that we have up, there's a problem there. In other words, someone might not be into Jesus, right? As delicate as we are in introducing Jesus, we're real careful with it. Sometimes not even mentioning Jesus' name for a long time. Um, that's fine. And if, if you're not into Jesus, it'll be hard for you to hang here. That's true. Just let's be upfront about that. But we might be bulls in China shops and no one will be able to get in anywhere because we're too rigid or, or too formless even. Rigid enough that we have a substance in which to enter. That's what we want. And flexible enough that people can enter in easily. That's the cell. That's the idea. It has a wall, but it's a porous wall. You can get in and out. Like this room has doors. You can come in and you can leave. That's, that's the kind of movement we want. We are enough of something to be something, but not so hard and rigid that you can't get in. Are you tracking with that basic idea? So we're always asking ourselves, how do I, how do I bring the gospel to the present with great flexibility? How can I be authentic and inclusive? How can I be rigid and flexible? How can I keep the gospel hold on to the gospel, preserve the gospel, and put it into today's context? How can I be the church for the next person? How can I follow the whole, with, with where the Holy Spirit is leading me next? So for the restaurant owner, the question is, how can I make my place as accessible as possible to the people around me without just losing it to mundanity, right? How, how can it be a real thing that people want to go to, show up to, and engage in without it just being nothing? and boring. It's tricky to do that. I, I actually think we do it really well in Circle of Hope. There's an, and, 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 and I don't think I do it well. I think we do it well. I think you do it well. I think that's the kind of place we're creating. There's a journey that we can take and that we're here on now toward moving with the Spirit, right? Where's, where's God leading us next? 
Who are we called to reach next? And you can see this journey take place in the Bible toward a more inclusive community. And I don't want to overstate that because like, like some have between maybe the, what, what you might hear of as the exclusive nature of the Old Testament and in the inclusive nature of the New Testament, I don't think it's that easy. I think God has been including people into the body, into the kingdom for all of time. Didn't just start 2,000 years ago. But, and, but there are some themes in how we developed. You know, um, I don't know if I have a slide here for that. God made a, you, you, you might know this, God made a covenant with Abraham creating a new people. He promised the nation. That nation effectively formed liberation through liberation, through, through God from Egypt, and they created their own people as a result of that led by Moses. And maybe you think being Jewish often summarizes Israel in the Bible as something that's rigid, like we were talking about. But in my reading, it's much more uh, formless than that. What bonded people together wasn't some idea of ethnicity, but rather a common understanding of the world or a law. And that law was inclusive. People could get in the mix by following the customs and the orders. They They didn't have to be Jewish. And they weren't even a thing like called Jewish until a while later. Because their identity wasn't rooted in their ethnicity. It was rooted in their action and in their belief, what they did, who they were, who they named themselves as. That sort of identity in, in, in the Bible and in, in the history of Israel is diluted, sometimes by political turmoil, and, and it led to what we, what we call a diaspora, a spreading of Judaism, Jewish people throughout the region, and kind of a loss of who they were. If you ever want to read a story about that, read the story of Esther, where Esther is trying to figure out how to be Jewish under the Persian Empire because the Persians, now the r- roughly where Iran is right now, conquered Israel, and, and even though they allowed the practice of Judaism to occur in their temple, there was a, a, a loss of identity of who they were as they mixed and mingled with other people. Even their Bible was translated into Aramaic and Greek, And so as Judaism became more international, the dispersal led to its sense of being diluted. And and, 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 and going back to the main point I'm making today, the rigid structure of Judaism gave way to a formlessness in order to include speakers of Aramaic and Greek. Something is happening where I'm trying to include more people into my movement and I'm losing my sense of it. Thus, a major issue and a political issue in the New Testament by the time Jesus comes is how much should we be influenced by our new overlords, the Romans? How, do I, how, how can I be a follower of God in Roman occupation? And, and, and you can see this tension right in Jesus' time between a political religious order called the Sadducees, and, and you hear about them in the Gospels if you read the Gospels, Jesus speaks very negatively of them. They're in bed with the empire. They're connected to the empire. You know some Christians like that now. And then you have the Pharisees who are resisting any sort of political compromise. The New Testament is written with this inclusive idea in mind. 
and it's written in Greek so that Greco-Roman or Hellenized Jews in Greek, they're the recipients of the New Testament. So it's not surprising we often hear of the Pharisees in a negative sense because the New Testament itself is trying to distinguish Christianity from Judaism. There's something that's happening there. There's a distinctiveness happening there. So that's the tension that Paul, the Apostle Paul, who helped spread Christianity all over the Mediterranean, was known for holding. Like the entire book of Galatians speaks to this subject, as does Romans. Paul is trying to lead churches that are both welcoming and inclusive of Jews and Gentiles. He's trying to hold two people together. He's making Christianity an international type of movement, not just stuck in Jerusalem, not just captivate, captive in Athens, but all over the world. We're, and, 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 we're, and I would say we're here because of that kind of inclusion and attention to identity, who we are in God. And it leads Paul to say, for in the Messiah, Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any power. What matters is faith working through love. The new form of faith is working itself out through love, not through a Jewish custom like circumcision, which was a big deal, was a mark of the uh, covenant of Abraham. And that's the flexible form that allows all sorts of people to come into the fold, come into the, uh, the shepherd's uh, um, sheep holding place, regardless of how strictly Jewish they are or not. And this new form of inclusion, of inclusive salvation, Jesus is saving the whole world, is seen as like new branches, as Paul poetically put it, being grafted onto the olive tree of salvation. And in this small section of Romans 11, the olive tree represents the promise of salvation. Going all the way back to when God made a covenant with Abraham and said, I'm going I'm to give you a great nation. And now this nation in this olive tree has new branches grafted onto it. Branches were broken off, unfaithful ones, and in my understanding, the unfaithful branches are the ones that kept the new ones from being put on to the tree. They got in the way of new people joining the movement. Will someone out loud read this? This is 12 verses or so from Romans 11. Let's, 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 let's look right into this image right now. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness towards you. Provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off, and even those of Israel. If they do not persist 
in unbelief will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you have been cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree, grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these natural branches be grafted back into their own olive tree? So that you may not claim to be wiser than you are, brothers and sisters, I want you to understand this. It is a sort of mystery. So if that's where you are when you're reading this, that's okay. He's calling it that. Paul's describing a new process of inclusion. The Jewish people who were ungrafted were cut off because of their lack of inclusion. However, he warns the newcomers, the Gentiles, if they start boasting because of their special qualification, they might be cut off too. God's mercy is the reason anyone is in. Anyone is finding salvation. And no one is entitled to it. Saved from being seen as God's beloved. Fear not, though. Paul ends with a very generous inclusion, really, of everyone. Everyone has a chance. The hardening of Israel comes to an end when the full number of Gentiles has come in, then all Israel will be saved. My main point is that Paul's idea to the Romans is one of, no, we're going to make space for everyone here. And if you don't, watch out for your space. That's the kind of place we're trying to make here. That's what Paul is talking about. God's mercy remains the, 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 uh, the rigid form of the community. What, what, what are the barriers to it? God's mercy. That's what's forming it together. God's love. God's endless extension of mercy to everyone. That's how flexible the faith can be. Everyone can get in. Paul's asking himself the question, what prevents the Greeks from entering into Christian community? These new people that we found as a result of being in Rome, being in this area, and the Jerusalem Council discerns that Jewish customs could be preventing people from following, and the council goes to great lengths to reduce those customs, most notably circumcision, as we were saying. Paul's asking himself the same question we are today. How do we bring the gospel to the present with great flexibility? Who can't get in today? And what can we do about that? How can we move toward more inclusion without losing ourselves to formlessness? How can we help people feel at home and welcomed and loved at the restaurant, so to speak, without making the food bland? How can we maintain our character while being inclusive? It's a good exercise. It's a good thought activity. And I think it's worth a lot of thought and discussion, too. And our, our church as a whole is working on grafting more branches onto the olive tree. Circle of Hope is designed to do that. And, and, and I think we are doing that. I think we're doing it well. Sometimes we, uh, we, we struggle to do that, but we're, when we do that, we stumble in the right direction. So I think God is gracious with our best efforts. However, inclusion isn't just a Christian idea. It's a matter-of-factly part of postmodern culture. We need to be careful because you might be accused of being exclusive when, you're, when you, they just want your principles to be diluted into nothing in the name of inclusion. 
And as we continue to come up with new identities to define ourselves, certain people known for exclusion are saying they aren't being tolerated. So be careful with what happens there. Be careful with what a socially constructed world without any form, how that, in fact, oppresses you. That's the kind of thing that can happen if we're too formless and not formed by God's love and God's mercy. If we can start becoming something else altogether. I think, and to use Paul's language, when we're afraid to ungraft the unfaithful. That's an aggressive posture because we started out with being inclusive. But if people insist with impunity to be exclusive, we can start to talk about what their posture actually does to exclude. Okay, so we have a standard that we hold. The question for us, though, is what keeps people from entering the community? What unwritten rules are out there? How can you be an includer? What customs do we have that others might find prohibitive or difficult? I think about these things a lot because I came from a strange place. Lebanon County is a strange place. But we also came from Egypt, right? So we're trying to we try to figure out how do we how do we get in? What are the what are the things I'm supposed to do or not do? How do I work this out? Like I was talking to a missionary kid. You know, those people are the people that had their parents grow up and they brought them into a different country to spread the gospel, and now they're here. There's all sorts of things they got to figure out about how to belong. What's the right way to do it? What do we need to do? What can we let go of? That's a good discernment question for like every cell. You could ask your cell that this week and see what they come up with. How can we keep moving toward inclusion? How can we keep expressing Paul's dictum? What matters is faith expressing itself through love. To reassure you, I think we're full of great ideas about how to do that and great people that do that. I think that's the kind of place where that's the kind of place we're building together. I think you all want to be includers. And and I have, we have evidence of that. You know, even even this weekend, yesterday evening, it feels like a long time ago for some reason because I watched the disappointing 76ers after the love feast. So that was a chasm of time that happened there. But yesterday evening, love feast happened. We included new people. We baptized people into the faith right on the Wissahickon. And then we welcomed new people into the movement. Yeah, we're doing that kind of thing. We celebrate that kind of thing, and the world needs to hear about it. Here's another story. A shy young woman came to our meeting at 19th and Girard. We had meetings that met there. Um, several years ago. She's, a, she's quiet enough, apprehensive enough to be the kind of person who comes late to the meeting because they can't handle the social time before the meeting. And they leave early, like right, where the, right when the song is over, they're at the door and they run off. And she basically did that. She's a cynical friend, probably pointing out problems more than anything else, suspicious of hip-seeming churches with uh, charismatic pastors, if I do say so myself. <laughs> But I noticed her walking out of the space and down the sidewalk towards the subway, and I ran after her because I had to talk to her. And I walked up, said, what's up, and we talked. And she consistently, I mean, this is unusual behavior, generally speaking. I just want to, let's just acknowledge that. But she consistently remarks about that extra effort to include. You actually ran after me. I think most people feel apprehensive or pushy about that. I'm compelled by God's love. I feel like I have to do that. 
And if you think I'm a jerk, I don't know what to do. This is just, this is my heart. This is what I want to do. And this person stayed around Circle Hill for a long time, hasn't left. You know, she thought, she thought we were too one thing or another when she judged us from the outside until she joined us. She, she finally felt like she belonged. She finally felt like she could add something to the body. And my favorite moment was she just told me this like on Monday. At her, she's on our leadership team now too. She told me at our meeting that a few months ago she moved from being the included one to being the includer. I'm not sure how exactly that happened, but it took her years to get over the hump and decide, no, I'm going to be the includer now that I've been included. I'm going to express the same kind of hospitality that I received to the next person, right? I'm, I'm going to give them what I received. And I think all you all have made it. Right here in this room, it happened. You got, you got here. And now you, you have a chair next to you. You have an opportunity to include someone else. Maybe you won't chase them down the sidewalk. That's okay. But there's something that you can offer because you're here. And there's some hospitality that you may have experienced that you can share. And in being an includer, are you also included? This is what Paul's really saying. This is the movement that we're working on. We're grafting branches onto the promise of salvation, the olive tree. You're grafted on. You can help someone else get on too. So I, I, I think we have that opportunity, and I think there's no shortage of, uh, of moments of success for that in our community and, and, and more chances to do it. So just want to bless you with that and, and, and say I'm encouraged to do the work alongside of you. I'm just looking around the room. Let's look around at the people around you. Maybe you haven't done that yet. Yeah, these people want, want to keep making, making the restaurant work, right? They want to, keep bringing, want to keep making it hospitable for somebody else. So I'm glad, I'm glad to do it for you. I, I feel like I belong because of how you have received me. Let's pray and do some talk back, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for uh, the chance to be a part of your family, to be grafted onto your tree of salvation, and to share that opportunity with someone else. Keep showing us how to do it. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.